Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast, part of the Volume Network. We're back with another Thursday Thunderdome edition where guests compete alongside my co-host, professional sports better, Simon Hunter, who I will no doubt be rooting for and tipping the scales because he is my companion, my BFF. This is an epic test of mental fortitude that makes West Point look like Arizona State. Simon, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm 0-3 in this contest, so as much as you've tried to cheat and help me out, I'm everyone can know I'm terrible at this, but we're back again. I know I got two really smart women here who are probably going to dominate me, but I don't know. It's, it's a little bit of luck, so hopefully Chad skews a little my way so I can maybe get a W finally. You're listen, you, you're not bad at this. You're actually incredibly thoughtful and creative, and you have found the best angles in on a lot of the answers. The challenge for you has been, and maybe you'll learn, you tend to, as is your want, given a given the fact you're a professional gambler, you tend to go all in on the last question and bet everything and then always lose the last question. But today you are facing two guest challengers. Our first guest a longtime WWE personality, the host of the Oral Sessions podcast on the Volume Network, our friend and colleague, the most effervescent Canadian ever found in the city of Las Vegas, Renee Paquette. Wow. First of all, great use of the word effervescent. Hell yes. I will take that. I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. Um, I will preface this by saying that I am on a back-to-back losing streak on my bets that I've been placing on the Action Network because I'm a homer and I keep just putting money on the, the Golden Knights. And they lost to the Blues last night. They lost to the Blues. I thought that was a surefire bet. And now here I am licking my wounds with these losers. They can't get their shit together. I don't think you'll find anybody else other than people at the Action Network who know how miserable betting hockey really is. <laughs> you, you have found your people. Our second guest is Fox Sports personality, writer, videoer, tweeter, host of the People's Sports Podcast. Somehow she is friends with every single person I like the most in all of media. She has refused to apologize for shoplifting from a Bath and Body Works in 2001. Charlotte Wilder. I am just really flattered. I think that having um, Twitter in your bio is like the most humbling thing that can happen to a person. For the record, I ad-libbed that. Solid improv. That was necessary because I'm going to piggyback on that because Charlotte, you've got a killer Twitter game. Yeah. Oh my God. I like a lot of your tweets. I just hit that heart button often. I've got to tell you, Renee, there are certain people who when when they like my tweets, I'm I immediately feel comforted and I'm like, oh, okay, that one can have been trash if Renee liked it, because being like an anxious person whose job is to um, sort of publicly be an idiot on the Internet is like is like being deathly afraid of snakes, but owning a snake store. And you just go into work every day and you're like, okay, here we go. And like, you know, a little bit of help from your fellow handlers is um, is always encouraged. So that is that's very high praise. And just pop an Ativan and let those Twitter fingers go after it. You'll be fine. All right. Here's how our game is played today. The three of you will answer two kinds of questions. First is the traditional trivia questions about sports, sports betting, the world at large, but also secondarily a completely subjective and totally asinine open-ended prompt that I alone will judge and in all likelihood try to make sure Simon Hunter wins. To accumulate points, 
you must answer the trivia questions correctly and also convince me that your responses to those open-ended prompts are better than your opponents because just like sports betting, you can't get them all right. I really appreciate how upfront you're being about the favoritism here. That is the best way to approach things, to be like, I am going to try to rig this and I just want you guys all to know. Honestly, I'm kind of swaying it towards Simon as well. I mean, <laughs> we all I want, want the best for Simon. <laughs> I'm like the, I'm the wounded puppy right now. I'm, I feel so wounded. So you guys are so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, you, you, you know what? That was, you kind of buttered us up before we started. We all came in here feeling bad for you. F yeah. that. Let's rake his ass over the coals. <laughs> Yes. Well, that was a real heel turn. Right yeah. All right, here we go. First part of our journey. It's called Mastering the Masters. This weekend features two of the greatest spectacles on the American sports calendar in Tampa. We've got WrestleMania 37. And in Augusta, Georgia, we have the Masters, often referred to as the WrestleMania of golf. For now, let's stick with the golf. Charlotte, our first question is for you. The Masters began in 1934, but they didn't give winners green jackets for 15 years till 1949. That same weekend in 1949 was also the first time one of these was broadcast on television. It was hosted by Uncle Milty, Milton Burrow, and benefited a cancer research fund. What kind of show was it? Okay, well, it wasn't a podcast. I know that much. <laughs> um, process of elimination here. I'm going to say it was a variety show. That's incorrect. It was a telethon. Telethon. Oh, that was other than I was going to say. Well, you, you should go with that one. In, in this game, I will say it's always better not to trust your instincts. How can you make money off a variety show? You can't, really. Right. It was really a silly, really bad <laughs> Was, okay, good. Humble me from the beginning. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. Simon, at 125 to 1 odds, 2009 Masters winner Angel Cabrera was one of the biggest long shots in tournament history. He is also the only master champion from this South American country, by size, the largest Spanish speaking country in the world. Okay, so this is a trick question. This is why I hate you, Chad. I guess Argentina. Argentina! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Simon. Simon. You Show got us it. What's up? Good on you for recognizing that Brazil, the native language, is Portuguese. All right, Renee, you're up. Oh, God. The course, this, this is right up your alley. Okay. The course at the Masters is becoming longer and longer. This year, it will play at a lengthy 7,475 yards. <laughs> Matt Mitchell. This is also the exact distance between two casinos on opposite ends of the Las Vegas Strip, the Strat Hotel and Casino on the north end, and this casino on the south end, named after a Rudyard Kipling poem. Um, gosh. Very close to the airport. MGM? Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay, son of a... Damn, damn, damn. If MGM doesn't apply to that. I was just trying to think logistically of the strip. 
of what is near the end. And I picked MGM, but of course it's Mandalay Bay. Wowzers. Yeah, I was going to say, if you do the MGM poem for us, I would love to hear that. <laughs> there must be one that exists, some kind of anagram poem or something. I don't know. But yeah, well, okay. I was told there'd be no math on this podcast, so... <laughs> There's always a chance something strange is going to pop up when Matt Mitchell is sitting in his basement in Milwaukee with no lights trying <laughs> to figure out what questions he is going to answer and ignoring the children under five in his house so he can do his best to serve this podcast. Oh, that was smooth. Are we ready for the next section? The Masters iconic green jacket is a beloved tradition as the previous Masters winner places one on the new champion. But fans demand more clothing-based sports traditions. Choose another sporting event and article of clothing and pitch me on a new beloved spectacle. For example, I'd like to see the previous Daytona 500 winner help the new champion slip on his pair of Daytona diamond jorts. Jean shorts with the winner's car number bedazzled onto the back pockets. That's Simon, nice. this is where you usually thrive. And right now you've got a lead. Let's see what you can do to separate yourself. Now, you know, I like to go outside the box. So of course I kind of ignore uh, Matt Mitchell's requirements. I thought to myself, what, what would be great for hockey? And the guys grow their hair out all playoffs. I would love if the winners got, now I looked it up. I want to make sure, because I know there might be a double meeting, a Canadian tuxedo, get a mullet. For the winners. So the guys all have to do their hair in mullets after they win the championship. But I don't want to say Canadian tuxedo because I looked it up and there is another meeting for it. So it's like, I can't really use it here, but give it some other, some name other than mullet for the champions of the NHL Stanley Cup. Something that, some a little flair for the end of it. You're saying you want the Stanley Cup champions to get mullets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of standard fare already. That is a fucking terrible answer. Simon, <laughs> you normally nail these things. This was the most unimaginative, boring, down How the dare road, you. possibly already existing. I can only chalk this up to uh, heartache and despair and the fact that you <laughs> cannot focus on anything else. Renee. And don't be smirched the Canadian tuxedo, by the way. It's a hell of a look, and I highly encourage it. Guys, an actual Canadian tuxedo is denim on denim. It has absolutely nothing to do with a mullet. It is a full denim getup. I thought it was denim denim with a mullet. No, no. it's just it's it's just a denim on denim is a Canadian tuxedo. A mullet is just an added bonus. I'm British. Please don't judge me. Hey, it's okay. I mean, common. You are to be a little bit more in the bandwagon. I'm full on British. I could sit here for this whole episode and talk like this if you guys want me to. But I think Chad gets a little jealous if I talk like this because everyone just wants to hear me talk and not hear Chad talk. So if I talk like this for the whole show, people are going to be pretty, pretty thrown off about it. Shut what? the fuck up, Simon. <laughs> Party trick. You're like, you're like, you're like sexy meter just shot through the roof, Simon. Keep it up. <laughs> I know. I, I do it at bars. And as soon as I get a little drunk, and I slip up. They're like, what the hell? I'm just like, oh, don't worry about that. No, <laughs> nothing to see here, bro. Pip. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the mullet. How do you hate that answer then? Have you ever seen 20 mullets skating on the ice together, Chad? It's here, memorized. Here's why I, I hate have. the answer. A, you live in Canada, you see a lot of things. B, it's not original. I feel like a, a mullet in hockey has been the cliche since slapstick. 
I just want to say that recently um, Miley Cyrus had a mullet when she performed at the NCAA tournament and I loved it. And then my friend Jess, Jessica Smetana was like, you, you're going to need to have a mullet before you die. And I was like, oh my God, that is so true. That would be, I feel that would be like my final form of dirtbag Wilder. So right. Very, How about this? very haute fashion. Charlotte, mm-hmm. will you commit right now? If you don't win the Thursday Thunderdome, <laughs> the punishment is you're going mullet. Absolutely not. You could pay me a lot of money and I'd get a mullet, but I'm not I'm not doing that because I lost something. What would it take uh, in cash for you to get a mullet? I'd do it for six hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, I feel like we can raise that. I mean, I was going to say a million but like if someone was like, hey, you can have 650 grand if you that's where my that's where my threshold was. You know, I was like, if someone said, here's this money, but you have to cut your hair. If it was less than that, I'd be like, I really don't know that I can do that. But that's sort of a number where I'd be like, I could do a lot with this. I think you're underselling. I think you should go for the million. All right. But I still feel like we could probably find a way to raise that either through. Uh, if, someone, if, if, if someone wants to get me that much money, I'll do it. Simon, Simon's rich. He'll he'll give it to you. Renee, it's your turn. Please, please come up with a better answer than give a hockey player a mullet. Of course. My, my answer is much better than that. Um, I, I, I wrote down two different answers on this that I was kind of like leaning towards, but I'm going to go with my gut instinct on this. And I'm going to go figure skating. Um, you know, I come from the world of WWE. I appreciate the pageantry, the flair, uh, the showmanship that comes with uh, with figure skating. And I think that they should be bestowed a bedazzled, razzle-jazzle skating boot after winning their performance. Also to go with that is a tasseled jacket because I think you can never have enough tassels, never enough sequence. If I've learned one thing during my time with WWE is always go with the sequence. So I think a bedazzled figure skate to then be able to perform all of the rest of the year in is the move. The rest of the year. Okay. Yes. You, you wear it for the rest of the year. Like that means like you are the top tier. You've achieved all accomplishments. You've got the fancy boot. Cause a lot of time you just see like the white skate, a black skate. Sometimes their tights are pulled over the skate. I, I don't want that. I want more showmanship and pageantry and figure skating knows how to do that. So I think it's time that they step it up. I like the addition of a jacket. Yeah. I think that really rounds out the ensemble. At the very least, better than what Simon did. I mean, it'll look nice. Arenas are cold. You need an extra jacket. Let's give them another layer because they're often out there in very minimal outfits. So, uh, yeah, a jacket is very welcomed. Well, as someone who is often chilly, I can appreciate that. Charlotte, what would you like to say here? So I was thinking about this and I was like, what would be the funniest possible situation, which is sort of how I generally approach my life. And I was like, you know, I think it would be fantastic if the America's Cup winner from the previous America's Cup had to put a full on a khaki suit, like a full on khaki suit with tiny little embroidered anchors on it and boat shoes on the next year's winner. It's sort of humiliating, but also you just won. So it's it's like a it's the worst possible outfit and also very fitting because come on, you know, you guys are sailing. Can I uh, compel you to up the ante and say that this person then has to wear that suit for a week straight and anytime they introduce themselves, say, 
you could put like a Caddyshack quote in there. Like they have to, every time they walk into a room, they have to say like, Spalding, get your foot off the boat or, you know, something like really that makes no sense. So, so people are sort of thrown off and then they can't explain it. They can't tell anyone why they're wearing this khaki embroidered suit, but they, they just have to roll with it. Listen, nobody loves bedazzled extra outerwear more than me, but I do feel like, Charlotte, you just won that round with what could be just comically funny experiences where a sailor has to walk in anywhere and be spouting off something silly while wearing a full-on sailor suit. I would like to say that this is unfair. I would like to step in very quickly (laughs) because I feel like Charlotte got an assist on that. You really jumped in and completed the answer. She Not only did I jump in and complete the answer, but then I let her win based on the answer I gave her. <laughs> okay. Let a win's try. a win. Uh, all right. Part two. Let's make an entrance. As I mentioned before, WrestleMania 37 is this weekend. And I should mention, by the way, if you have not listened, uh, our friend Cowherd did a podcast with Nick Khan, the president of WWE. It was amazing and so fun and such a great insight into media and life and culture at WWE. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, it is this weekend, WrestleMania 37. One of my favorite parts about pro wrestling is the entrance music. So let's talk about it. Charlotte, platinum record producer and guitarist. Rick Derringer was the producer behind Real American, the legendary entrance music of Hulk Hogan. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right, fight for your life. But Derringer was also a founding member of the McCoys, whose number one hit in 1965 became one of the most indelible oldies of all time. The name of that song was, and I'll give you a little bit of a hint, Hang On, Hang On Blank. What's the next word? I will give you a hint. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, it is confused with the name of a very famous cartoon dog. Hang on, Lucy? The name of the dog is Snoopy. Snoopy. What name would rhyme with Snoopy? Sloopy. Hang on, Sloopy. Sloopy, hang on. What the heck? Hang on, Sloopy. That's a song? That's the Renee, song. did you know that? No, of course not. I don't think anybody knew that. Hang on, Sloopy. Sloopy, hang on. What a bad song that is. I'm like mad about that. Simon, Invasion was the title of Bill Goldberg's entrance music. But before he was a celebrated wrestler, he was a star defensive lineman for this SEC football team who play their home games at Sanford Stadium. No idea, so I'm going to go with... Let me give you a hint. Like the question before, it does live in the canine space. I think I know it because I've been there. Because I, I know the Bulldogs play in like, Athens, but is it Georgia? It's Georgia. You're right. But we're also going to give half a point uh, to Charlotte because she knew the answer because she's been there. I went That's to the fair. Notre Dame-Georgia game. Thanks. That's really kind of you, Chad. I have a Bulldog in this room with me. Can I have half a point for that? Yes, oh, I... you can. Thank you. Would you like to see him? Yes. Sure. Oh, hello. <laughs> What's his name, Renee? <laughs> Blue. He is the star of the family. He's a good guy. You know what? 
Everyone's getting a point for that. Everyone gets a point. <laughs> Renee, the theme song of this 2010 WWE Hall of Famer is a favorite among sports gamblers. He name checks himself in the lyrics with the line, everybody's got a price, everybody's going to pay because blank always gets his way. Million Dollar Man. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's going to pay. Because the Million Dollar Man There you go. Wow, that is a huge, huge round for Renee, racking up two points. Shout out to my dog. I I needed that. All right. Part two. Here's the prompt. Ring, ring, ring. You're getting a call on the old-fashioned rotary telephone in your kitchen. It's WWE boss Vince McMahon. He's decided to make you a rich and famous professional wrestler. If and only if you can select the worst entrance music in wrestling history. What do you choose? For example, I can sing it for you. If ever you're in my arms again, by Peebo Bryson, would make for terrible entrance music. I'm getting the sense that this podcast is just Chad's little karaoke fix because we I, can't go to karaoke bars at the moment. I love karaoke. Me too. I love I'm so karaoke. bad at it that a bartender at a bar once asked someone in my group to to ask me not to do it anymore. Wow. That feels like a win. What are like your go-to songs? Well, you know what? I happen to have a list. I call it karaoke go-tos. Living on a prayer, don't stop believing, X's and O's, it's the end of the world by R.E.M., which is incredibly hard to do. Call Me Maybe, Canadian singer. Yeah, Uh, Jepsen, my girl. Friends in Low Places, Uh, Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting, uh, I want to be sedated. Islands in the stream. I, I can get behind that one. Yeah, me By too. The way, I like that a lot. Don't don't you forget about me, you know, from the Breakfast Club? Yep. Oh, and yeah, then uh, 500 me. miles. Same shit. I need Renee to give me uh, the worst entrance song of all time. Okay. So I put a lot of thought into this and it's hard because like, you know, trying to get a song because the thing is, if you have a really bad entrance song in WWE, sometimes it accidentally gets over with the crowd and then you just become the ultimate baby face and you end up just on top you know you end up top guy so I went with my Canadian brethren Nickelback because they have terrible songs <laughs> and I went with the song Rockstar I'm gonna trade this life for fortune and fame I'd even cut my hair and change my name cause we all just wanna be big rock stars and live in hilltop buses driving because it seems so like almost on the nose of what you would anticipate from like wrestling of like just really cheesy lyrics and like trying to be cooler than you actually are. Uh, so I went Nickelback and I, I also feel like, I don't know if this works in my favor or against the entire precipice of what this question is, but Vince is a big Nickelback guy. So he might not know that you're pulling the wool over his eyes and being like, yeah, I'm going to go Nickelback. He's going to go, oh my God, of course you should have Nickelback. But really everyone absolutely loathes it. So I'm going to go Rockstar Nickelback. Fucking love that. Yeah. Love that answer. Thank you. It encapsulates so much. That's a hard one to follow because 
Renee, you really just, I mean, this is your realm though, right? Like that's like asking, that's like, you know, if Wolfgang Puck invites you over and asks you to make dinner for him, like, I don't really know how to follow that. But the the ones that I came up with were, because I agree, Renee, I think that they're, you know, at first I was thinking like some obscure classical, like string quartet. And then I was like, I think fans would get into that. Like, I think that that would end up being something people like. I was also thinking, um, I Will Remember You by Sarah McLaughlin because it's just so sad. Um, exactly. And people just picture like dead dogs, which nobody ever wants to think about. But I, I ended up with, um, I'm going to go with Skinny Love by Bonnie Vare because it is a really sad song. Come on, skinny love, just let's sing it's not obscure, but it's not like at super me, like not enough people would know it to be like, oh, okay. Like the, I will remember you. People could also kind of get into that skinny love is people would be like, okay, what? Like it, it, it's really hard to get pumped up listening to that song. I feel like I could see somebody like Aiden English when he was still with WWE. He's very <laughs> like thespian artiste. I could see him coming out to some Bonnie Vare and that uh, really working for him. Okay, that's a good that's a good point. I guess it, I guess it could work, but I I just feel like it would be I a little like too a much of way. I, I think you're on the right track. You know, it'd be like what? Like we kind of hate this. Like okay, yeah. it's too highbrow. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't like it. They, and it could be pretentious. It could come across as pretentious. Totally. Look, anybody who knows how to say Bonnie Vare already is at a level of pretension that goes beyond the bon normal Iver. capacity for pretension. Sorry that I'm a I'm I'm a cultural. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm clued in, Chad. Honest to God. Simon. Hi, bro. Seriously, <laughs> hi, bro. Chad, these women didn't make fun of you for your music list. I can't stand by here and let you rattle off all those songs you said and not just take a little shot at you. I hate you, Chad. Your choice in music's terrible. You're just an old man. They're meant to sort of be yeah. fun, cheesy, get the crowd going songs. So I can see where the guy was like, don't let your friend up on there again. Though, you know what I mean? So this this song gets close to home. This is the first song. Everyone has a song that one night they're puking out a friend's window. And this is the song that was playing. And you can, every time you hear it, your skin crawls. That's Mambo number five. A little bit of Monica in my life. A little bit of Erica by my side. A little bit of Rita. When I hear Mambo number five, that opening beat, dude, like there's something like a shiver down my spine. So I would love to come out to that because people would be into it for like two seconds. And then like after 10 seconds, you'd be like, oh, my God, please make this song stop. So I would love to do Mambo number five. This one's easy. Renee wins. Oh, oh, yes. Am I pulling into the lead? Dare we say? Uh, Right now, uh, heading into part three, Renee has three points. Charlotte and Simon each have two points. Friendly Fire is the name of the next segment. We here at the Favorites Love Canada are beloved northern neighbors, also known as America's Hat. And in honor of guest Renee Paquette's Canadian roots, we now look back at great moments in America versus Canada sports history. Simon, one of the pivotal moments of the 2007 Western Conference semifinals was a technical foul body check by the Spurs' Robert Ory on this Phoenix Suns MVP, the greatest Canadian basketball player of all time. The only reason I know this is because he plays soccer as well. Steve Nash. <laughs> Correct. Here's a, but Renee, you're next. In 2010, Canada defeated the U.S. in the Olympic ice hockey finals thanks to a golden goal by this NHL MVP. Oh, Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby. Get the kid, babe. That's right. 
Charlotte, who was the first Canadian team to win an NBA title? And what was the American team they defeated? The Raptors. And? And they beat, oh my God, <laughs> this is like a year ago. Hold on, hold on. Honestly, I'm drawing a blank too, and I was there. But I wait, 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 you. don't, please don't tell me. Please don't I tell would me. Never. I would they, never. Okay, so they beat the Sixers to get to the finals. And then in the finals, they played the Warriors? Yes. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, we did Simon, it. Simon, despite hailing from Oklahoma, this Toronto Blue Jays player became an instant Canadian folk hero for his World Series winning home run in 1993. Oh, my God. I should know this because it was against my team, the Phillies. This is so painful. I've seen this clip a million times. I'll have to pass. I don't know. Joe Carter. Joe Carter, man. Renee. Centered on the intense rivalry between the American and Canadian national wheelchair rugby teams, this film won the Oscar for Best Documentary in 2005. Oh, gosh. I have no idea. Murder Ball. They won Murder an Oscar? Ball. Oh, I've never seen that. It's quite good. I, I mean, I bet they won an Oscar. I'm going to add it to my list. Okay. Uh, Charlotte, traded to the Yankees this week. Former Texas Ranger Rogued Odor became an overnight celebrity for punching this Toronto Blue Jay star square in the jaw in 2016. This is one of my favorite videos of all time the chain flips around his neck and i am blanking on his name <laughs> batista batista he may follow you on twitter because he follows about eight million people doesn't follow me what the hell batista let's go joey bats baby there you go i can't believe that i forgot that that is truly like that is one of i think about that like once a week that was iconic. <laughs> that was like unreal how clean of a punch he got. The answer is Jose Batista yep. for the official record keeping. Okay, here we go. Imagine you've bet everything you have on a game between America and Canada. In order to inspire your team captain, you must become the most patriotic fan in attendance. To inspire your fellow countrymen and women, what are you wearing? What are you eating? What are you drinking? Who is the ideal team captain you are inspiring? Simon, you go first. That's a lot. That's a lot there. Uh, when I think of America, I think of the naked cowboy. There's just something American about a guy being half naked in cowboy boots, an American flag covering his crotch and a cowboy hat playing a guitar. So I would have him eating a burger called a heart attack, which is like exactly what the name sounds like, because that's super American as well. And I don't know if, if we're talking America, I, I feel like I guess Budweiser. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of different choices there for drinking. We could pick as America, but I feel like that would be it. And who's my ideal captain for America? It's got to be Captain America, right? He's the captain of America. <laughs> I mean, that's hard to argue. He is the captain of America. <laughs> Those are very good, Simon. Very, very good. Charlotte, you're next. Okay, so the captain, I'm going to start with this. The captain is Michael Jordan. And I am wearing two Michael Jordan jerseys over each other. And I am drinking a Gatorade. And I have a hat on that says um, Horace Grant is a snitch. I'm eating a Chicago deep dish 
pizza because to me mj is like the american icon and he is he doesn't care what anybody thinks except that he needs everybody to think he's the best so i would i feel like that's the most american thing is to be very competitive and out for yourself and he embodies that and i would just pander directly to him charlotte i feel like on multiple levels that is one of the most brilliant answers we've had in the month-long history of the Thunderdome. Wow. Because it went to crass commercialization. It went to competition. It went to selfishness. It was brilliant. Thank you. Absolutely stone cold <laughs> brilliant you're gonna make oh me my. blush chad you gotta stop you gotta stop so many levels of brilliant there's a lot of depth to that answer good luck thank Renee. you i honestly i know yikes all right my team captain is obviously wayne gretzky i mean he is mr canada We've got to put him at the pinnacle, the very tippy top. Uh, I'm going to bring things back. I'm going to do a little callback here to the Canadian tuxedo, of course. So you're going to be wearing full denim. Uh, and I would like to maybe layer up the denim in the sense of like the button down denim shirt, the denim jeans, like a classic Levi 501s, uh, a denim jacket over the denim shirt, uh, followed by wearing mucklucks, which are like furry indigenous boots of Canada. Got to have those on a hand knit toque, which is a beanie to everybody here in America. Um, and then over top of these as well, there is a Wayne Gretzky jersey with the half tuck done as well, just so that he <laughs> knows that you get his fashion sense while on the ice. Um, what you're eating is for sure a poutine with a side of ketchup chips. And you are chasing it with a Caesar, which is like our Bloody Mary, but it's made with Clamato juice. It is a superior product. It's delicious. I'm very hungry right now, I'm realizing. I want to go to this party. Me too. Yeah, whatever. It's MJ. So <laughs> nice job. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you. And Renee, yeah. I thought your answers were amazing. But at the end of the day, I'm from like- Chicago. I've been discriminated against and I understand it and I see it and it's, it's okay. I understand. Yeah. I would like to say that I am actually an official American now. So- I saw that. I wanted to congratulate you. Thank I saw on you. Instagram- Thank you. But, you know, it's still like, Canadian blood courses through these veins. So I still stick with uh, Gretzky's still my guy. As Americans, we love it. We get you. We get Jim Carrey. We get Seth Rogen. It's all good. Everything coming from Canada to America is good, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, we're all just hopping the border, hoping for the best. Hoping a dream. Let's get shit done. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Part four. It's called The Main Thing. The Main Thing. Our guest Charlotte Wilder went to a school in the great state of Maine and is now an even more famous Colby College alum than Union General Benjamin F. Butler was during the Civil War. <laughs> in honor of Charlotte's formative years in the Pine Tree State, we'll quickly examine Maine's rich sports history. Renee, the University of Maine Black Bears football team has played in just one now defunct bowl game back in 1965. It was named after this citrus fruit, which our guest Charlotte Wilder summarized as, quote, in a world with oranges in it, there's no reason for this fruit to exist. Grapefruit. Grapefruit's terrible. Tangerine. Sorry oh, to say. Shit. Sometimes I sometimes people say things to me that I like say back to me things that I said, and I'm either like, I'm an idiot, or I'm like, you're an asshole, Charlotte. <laughs> sometimes all things can be true. Simon, Portland, Maine is home to the Sea Dogs, the AA affiliate for this Northeastern baseball team. 
I'll guess Boston. Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox. Way to go, Simon. Mark Plummer is a 10-time Maine and two-time New England amateur golf champion. He lost on the 18th hole of the U.S. Amateur Semifinals to this legendary golfer in 1995. Phil Mickelson. I don't have the answer in front of me, but I'm thinking it's Tiger Woods. As we head into the uh, final prompt, everybody has four points. This is the closest game we've ever had. In 1997, the Baltimore Orioles signed Winterport native and former University of Maine shortstop Mike Bordick so they could finally and mercifully move rapidly aging legend Cal Ripken Jr. to third base. Baltimore's infield defense immediately improved from 19th to third to the delight of Orioles fans and Orioles betters everywhere. Please provide a current sports figure who needs to take a cue from Ripken and assume a new role for the sake of fans and gamblers everywhere. Charlotte, you're first. Well, I said this before I even remembered that you were a Chicago guy and I'm looking over your shoulder and I realize I might have played this absolutely perfectly. I'm going to say that Mitch Trubisky needs to move to tight end. Well, that would be great, but he's no longer on the Bears. He is now the backup for the Buffalo Bills. I know, but I'm saying that years of trade, you traded up to get him. I just think like maybe there would be some poetic justice. I'm going to I'm going to consider it. Only because you don't love it. I can tell. I already know I'm going to lose. But, you know, I had this answer and then I saw the Bears thing behind you and I was like, maybe it could still play. I don't love it. Uh, Renee, you're next. Okay, so hear me out on this one. I know it's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to upset a lot of people. Please do not mention me on Twitter. Um, Okay, so this this kind of boils down to what quarantine has done to me. And Jeopardy has taken over my life recently. And I think it's time that Aaron Rodgers takes his cue. Yeah, and he exits the NFL. Listen, I know he's still got prime years. I know he's got a lot of good shit going on. He's in a happy relationship. Things are going smooth for Mr. Rodgers. But for somebody to come in and replace the phenom that is Alex Trebek, I wanted to be the one to pass along this information. We'll win. We'll get it done. I think it's Aaron Rodgers. I think he's got this gig in the bag. And I think that the people of Jeopardy need Aaron Rodgers more than the NFL does there. Okay, I said it. Okay, that's it. My answer. Wow. I like that a lot. I've also become obsessed with with Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley's relationship. It's great. I used to have the biggest crush on Aaron Rodgers, too. So I'm just I'm happy to see him happy, you know? Yep. I also got I also started watching um, the entire 2017 season of Jeopardy in quarantine. So I feel you. Oh, my God. It's fascinating. I can't believe how good my husband is at it. It pisses me off. Simon, can you top Aaron Rodgers exiting the NFL? I really can. I mean, he's so easy on the eyes. Even his voice is nice. It, it, he really is. It's. He, I hope he does that. But for me, it's going to be James Dolan. Just shut up, James Dolan. Shut up. I would love if James Dolan just faded away. Go to a private island, fade away, because I can't stand the Knicks fans just talking about how great they would be if he wasn't there. I want him to leave so we can see what the Knicks could do, because it's literally my whole life. All I've heard about is how great the Knicks are going to be, and they've never been great in my lifetime. So I'm ready for him to leave, and the Knicks can finally be good. He, he's, like, not getting forced out, but he's one of those guys where all the Knicks fans just hate him at this point. I just think everyone would be happy if he just took a cue and just took a step back. That's amazing. That's an amazing answer. I thought it was going to be hard to top Aaron Rodgers, and you did it. Because wow. I agree, James Dolan needs to go away. He just is, is the epitome of what bad ownership 
bad connection to the fans, uh, not having the loyalty that he should have to um, the players that have been at the Knicks. Everything about him has been just completely distasteful as an owner. Get out, sell the team, grab your billions, find someone who can do it better. Be gone, Simon. You win that round. Oh my God. The, fi- the score as we head into the grand finale, Simon has five. This is where he tends to lose it. Charlotte has four. Renee has four. The topic is WrestleMania one. How much would you like to risk? Please close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. Hold up your fingers with your wager amount. Okay. Simon, Renee, Charlotte. The first WrestleMania was held March 31st, 1985 at Madison Square Garden. The opening theme was an instrumental version, Easy Lover, which was near the top of the Billboard charts at the time. Easy Lover was a collaboration between Earth, Wind & Fire's Philip Bailey and this artist, a massively successful drummer-singer. Name that artist. Classic song. Confidence at an all-time medium. Simon, please give us your wager and your answer. I gave all five because I'm an idiot and I'm going to lose again. And my answer is Paul Simon. The answer is incorrect. And you are down to zero. Charlotte, please give me your wager and your answer. I wagered four and I said Ringo Starr. Also incorrect, but a very good guess. Much, much better than Simon's because Paul Simon was, you know, not a drummer. Renee, give me your wager. Give me your answer. So I wagered three. And while I know my answer is wrong, just time period, it just does not sync up. It doesn't work, but he happens to be the best drummer singer that I could think of. And I went with Dave Grohl. Excellent answer. I'm also a huge, huge fan of Dave Grohl. The answer is Phil Collins. And- oh, stop it. I was going to say my- Phil Collins. God That's damn my- it. That's my wheelhouse. Oh, I just, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I want to see I literally just, (laughs) I just watched 40 Old Virgin. I can't believe I didn't know that. My gut instinct was to just blurt out Phil Collins at the very beginning of the answer. And my number one most listened to song in 2020 was Phil Collins. So, (laughs) well, listen, Phil Collins was the answer. Uh, And guess what, folks? Simon is down to zero. Charlotte is down to zero. Renee, using brilliant game theory, is at one point. That makes Renee Paquette, our friend from Canada, who is also an American citizen living in Las Vegas, hosting the podcast Oral Sessions on the Volume Network. She is our winner today. Relentless, refusing to give up. Woohoo! When do I get my bedazzled figure skating boot? Let's go. You have a bedazzled <laughs> figure skating boot that says the favorites in uh, jewels across the laces uh, any moment. Now. It should just Fantastic. say the favorite. It should so just true. say the favorite. You won. You're so right. You're so right. Renee, I think you deserve the win for getting up uh, earlier than planned and being on the West Coast and also being uh, just weeks away from giving birth. Everybody yeah. who is about to give birth should win prizes. I could not agree more. Yeah, me and my feet fully agree to that. (laughs) We are big, big fans of it. All right. For Simon Hunter, for Charlotte Wilder, 
for Renee Paquette. I am Chad Milman. This has been the Thursday Thunderdome edition of The Favorites, the Volume Podcast Network. The Volume is now on YouTube. We'll be uploading new episodes and clips daily, including some past interviews and moments from all of our shows. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Before we sign off, here is a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Patrick Keene. You do not interrupt me. Do you understand me? All right, I should smack you in the mouth. All right. This has been the favorites from the Volume Network. Download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, love you. 